Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. This show goes out every Monday night on our YouTube channel. And on tonight's show, the focus is on the retail sector, particularly with Christmas shopping looming. Joining us for their best ideas in the retail sector is Julia Lee from Berman Invest, Michael McCarthy from CMC Markets, Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report, and Charlie Aitken of Aitken Investment Management. And I have a special interview with the Managing Director of Officeworks, Sarah Hunter. So, uh, Julia Lee and Michael McCarthy, I've asked you to talk about retail today. What do you think of the retail sector, Julia? I think when you're looking at retail, the perfect combination that you want to see is um, both organic growth together with a rollout of stores and gross margins increasing. If you can have those three factors, then the valuation of a retail stock is going to increase. So when I have a look at the retail space, not only do I look at consumer trends as well as the consumer environment, but those three factors really drive how optimistic I am in a retail stock. Yeah, no, I know at the beginning of this year you liked La Vista. Still like it, yeah. and, and this had a really good run. It's making, doubled, making you look like a genius. Uh, is it still have momentum on the way up? Yeah, um, they're still rolling out stores. They've been quite aggressive in their US store rollout. Yeah. So, um, in the first half of last year, they rolled out nine stores, and then the second half, eleven stores. Um, and in the financial year to date, they rolled out another nine stores. So, look. The acceleration that we've seen in those new stores opening up together mm. with the like-for-like like sales growth mm. um, is a great combination for LaVisa. Now, we did see uh, sales pulling back a little bit to around about 3.5% in the year to date, but you know, that's still pretty good. And it's now in that 3 to 5% range that uh, LaVisa aims mm. for. Not too late for those people who have never been to LaVisa. No, I think as long as the rollout of stores continue together with that organic growth, the like-for-like mm. like, uh, sales growth, I think mm. that's a good Michael, retail for you? Yes, uh, selectively. Yeah. And I like LaVisa too, and I'd note that it's coming into a season where its key customer class Christmas will tonight. be on school holidays. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that could mean uh, another kick along in sales for them. I like them. The other one I would nominate in the sector is premier investments. Mm. The combination of the wisdom of Solomon Liu mm. and a top operator, Mark McInnes, is delivering. And mm. delivering at above system growth. Um, their most recent report was very impressive. Yeah. And it appears that their strategy of specialising in particular brands and picking their niches mm. is really painful. Off. A lot of people get worried, they think, well, we've missed the boat, I don't want to get in now, this is going to be their, their Waterloo, they've done so well, they're going to have to come undone eventually. What do you say to a person who puts that to you? Well, I'd, I'd point out that a lot of investors have done very well out of joining momentum trades. Mm. Now, I get a bit worried when it's in, in the tech sector because you know, we're trading on multiples that are in the hundreds, uh, but where we're looking at fairly solid underlying businesses with, mm. you know, fairly consistent earnings mm. and earnings growth, mm. um, often we can make a straight comparison between the share price and the earnings they're getting. And in my view, that means both Premier and Levisa are still not overvalued. They're not cheap anymore as they were at the beginning of the yeah. year, but they're not overvalued in my view. Julie? Uh, premier Investments? Yeah, I think Premier Investments is an unusual one in that a lot of the growth um, in the last few years has been driven by their Smiggles grand mm. brand and Peter Alexander. But what we really found with the last results is that they have come back to some of the apparel brands that they have and their core um, business of um, Just Group has mm. been doing quite well. So look, one of the things I watch is, of course, Brexit because Smiggles was looking at a big rollout and it looks yeah. like that's 
you know, going to be delayed. But on the flip side, you know, is Brexit going to last forever and are no. those conditions no. going to reverse? In which case, it could be an opportunity. Okay, so what else do you like in this space? Well, baby bunting. I continue oh, yeah, to yeah. leg my baby <laughs> bunting. It's once again this magic formula of uh, store rollouts together with that organic growth. And, look, and the rivals aren't as bad as they were when they went into a bit of a, a price slide. Yeah, I mean, when you see, I think it's six of their largest competitors going broke, yeah. um, initially it's a negative because you get these fire sales which crunch margins. But once that uh, fire sale period has left, mm. then you should see, uh, I guess, nice acquisitions of some mm. of those old stores. Um, and, you know, not having competition is a, has been a great mm. thing for baby What about writing. Amazon? Is it, it seems to me that's the sort of thing that Amazon could do well, selling the expensive... Uh, baby carriages. Everything's expensive for babies <laughs> nowadays, I find. I don't know if you've uh, tried to pram, but you, you almost need an engineering degree oh. for some of those devices. <laughs> open I had to help my son. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> Thank God there's videos showing you how to do it. Absolutely. But I think it is one of those environments items that people prefer to test drive, given that it's such an expensive purchase and that it can be so mm. difficult to use as well. But look, one of the things that Baby Bunting has done very well is move to their own brand, so their in-house brand. And that, of course, has helped to, yeah. to boost margins as mm. well. So look, Baby Bunting, I think that's another one where while we are seeing competition, uh, they have a bit of a niche there in terms of some of those bigger items like car seats as well as prams, yeah. where I think people mm. really do want to test drive. Oh. Maka, you on baby bounty? I can't, I don't know enough about that stock, yeah. Peter. I can't comment. Any um, other retail my, my children are grown now. Yeah, yeah, but they'll, they'll come at a grandchildren well, one day. Well, two I'd give a warning on, and that is Woolworths and Coles. Yeah. Now there are a lot of uh, investors who have to be in the space, mm. and they're currently in the very defensive uh, supermarket and space. Expensive at the moment, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, both of them are trading at all-time highs. And uh, while they're good, steady businesses, and I'm not having a go at management, the turnaround at Woolworths in particular has been impressive. At these share prices, I think they could be losers if we do see a retail recovery because those investors who have to be in the space will start to spread out from the defensive supermarkets into others like the ones we've just named, yeah. and that could see them underperform. Okay. But you got any other retail stocks you want to share with us? Uh, Baby Bunting, LaVisa. I think an interesting one to keep an eye on is JB Hi-Fi. It has its annual general meeting this week. But look, the share price has done so well. I'd probably be looking at taking a little bit of money off the table here with JB mm. Hi-Fi. I do love the way they've beaten up run. on those short sellers who underestimated how good they were. Constantly mm. underestimated, I think, JB yeah. Hi-Fi. Um, mm. But okay. the AGM, I think, is an important one. Look at Costa Group and how the shares perform today. So the AGMs are important and we are in How did Costa Group do today? They're still it in punched. suspense. Oh. They're still in it suspense. They, they, they went into suspense. Well, we don't know what the announcement is. Oh. It's a trading halt. Because yeah. um, they were a great company for a long time and then they were a troubled company for a long time. Oh. You think it's going to be a troubled... Um, Every store. time I go to the shops, I check out the berry prices, I check out the mushroom yeah. prices, and I check out the citrus prices. And look, I would say that my guess would be it would be on the back of berry pricing as well as mushroom pricing. Both of those have Very been high. extremely cheap for a number of oh, months cheap. now. Okay. All right. So you mentioned Afterpay a few weeks ago. You liked it. It's, it's, it's encountered a few headwinds. What's going on there? Look, I and guess what's your position? <laughs> when you're looking at these high growth stock, and um, Michael mentioned momentum, I look at momentum from two sides. One is price momentum, which is just purely the charts and yeah. pricing. And the other is momentum in terms of the business. Usually you look at profit growth, but if there isn't profit growth, you look at revenue growth. Mm. And I guess as interest rates get lower and there's less stories um, to buy up in terms of that growth story, it even gets to user growth. 
There's no doubt that Afterpay is expensive and when it was dominating here in Australia, um, I guess the Australian story was very attractive. What I'm now starting to see, and I, I would have mentioned is when I get those emails from those US retailers, I don't see Afterpay, I see, you know, our pay and something else, mm. some that American I've never seen versions before. Of them. American yeah. versions of it. So competition is coming into that space, and I think the challenge is whether Afterpay can be a brand like um, realestate.com.au over here in Australia or car sales, where it is the dominant force in that online space. So I think that's a challenge. Yeah. Of course, you know when price momentum reverses, I'm very quick to get out. <laughs> I'm not brave. <laughs> I'm not brave at all. <laughs> well, it's been a tough five days for afterpay investors. Uh, and the regulatory inquiry into the buy now, pay later space has been welcomed by the company. I think it's important to note that. Um, it's interesting that they're typifying themselves as a retail sales funnel rather than a financing uh, mm. financial group. Well, um, I guess their clients are merchants, aren't they? And merchants get them to get people in their shop. I, I, I walked past a few dress shops uh, on Oxford Street the other day and zip codes out the front and it's, oh. it seems like they're trying to get people in like it's really easy to buy from me. Oh. Well look, the fact that they do credit checks on their customers I think means they have at least one foot in that camp and yeah. that's why the RBA is looking into it. So uh, I, I don't see any big problems for them. I think that they've been very clever, they've worked well. I do note though that huge amount of competition that's coming into it. It's not just in the US, we've got Splitted here and a number of others who are now moving into the same space and of course uh, groups like Latitude are now taking on their own Latitude Pay product. Mm. So uh, it's going to be a tougher environment and it'll be harder to justify the multiples that it's been trading at. Um, I do note that it's a highs, I think it was at 800 times earnings. Now PE is not the be-all and end-all when it yeah. comes to stocks and some stocks you yeah. shouldn't use PE for and high-growth stocks is one of those areas but that is an eye-watering number. Yeah. And don't forget you know Afterpay started off the year at about $12 it's mm. still you know pretty close to that $30 mark so taking some money off the table here is not the end of the world. No. Yeah that's right provided you didn't buy it 35 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hoping yeah. it was going to 65 And risk management should come into effect. Yeah. Julia Lieber and Invest, Michael McCarthy, CNC Markets. Thanks for joining us. And now for another take on retail, we've got Charlie Aiken from Aiken Investment Management and our own Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. Charlie, retail. Is this going to be a, a sector of the stock market that's going to do well? Or does it have the Amazon challenge, the Aldi challenge? There's all retail challenges everywhere. Oh, it's a, it's a tough sector, but you can make money in it if you buy, buy the right operators, there's no doubt. And you buy the right uh, right management team with the right, you know, the right product in the right sector, you can make money, but it's not an easy sector and it is cyclical. Mm. In an Australian context, I'm a little bit worried about where the consumer's at and, you know, how, but there's the buying opportunity. If yeah. consumers down now, yeah, but the share prices are up. But the share yeah. prices are up. You oh, know, okay. you yeah. know, they're all high. The yeah. share prices are up here, and the consumers maybe down here. I'm not sure. So, it, it's. I think it's easier to make money globally in in some big uh, retail stocks. We can talk about later. Yeah. But uh, it, it's a tricky sector. Yeah, Paul. I'm thinking the sector's probably a bit overvalued, Peter. I mean, my favourite retailer has been JB Hi-Fi. It's been that way for a couple of years. Yeah. They're the best retailer in Australia. But the share price is now at $34. It was down in the low 20s. Yeah. And the shorts have been a bit squeezed. And, you know, and, 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 and you look at uh, you look at in the grocery market, you know, Woolworths is at record highs. Coles is at record highs. Trading on pretty big multiples. Mm. It's sort of, I don't know, Peter, I sort of think the sector's... Um, 
look, there could be an improvement in retail sales, but I just don't know whether you can see a lot more in the share prices. I, I'd well, say it's well, now the in the higher risk is, category. Like, like, because there's no margin for safety you know, where Woolies and Coles have got to, and Wes Farmers. Yep, up, and Wes Farmers, yep. If, if you're right and actually retail sales pick up and people don't think about you know interest rate cuts anymore and bond yields rose, those stocks might actually fall. Hmm. They're, they're quite defensive. They've been, they've oh, been okay. bid up on yep. sort of yep. defensive rotation. So I don't see much margin of safety in Australian retailers right now. Hmm. And I think... You might get a better chance after Christmas, would be my view. Yeah, I'm with Charlie. I think the other thing that's happened in retail, Peter, just as as a sector, is we had uh, the huge Amazon scare of a couple of years ago. A lot of retailers got sold off. A lot of institutions lightened their portfolios. Amazon's and and, and big shorts. Some of the shorts have been closed. A lot of the institutions have realised the the Amazon thing's going to happen, but it's going to take a long time. There is, yeah, the the Australian retailers have, have fought back a little bit. Uh, and uh, I think that's partly why the sector has, has repriced. So I'm probably the view that the sector is pretty fully priced. Mm-hmm. And if I was looking for growth, I'm not sure that's the sector I'd be focusing okay, on. Okay, but I told you guys to give me a retail yep. stock that you might like. You want to go overseas, Charlie? There's nothing local at all. But you used to like baby bunting. Yeah, but there's another. That I, I, I don't mind baby bunting. Then it's, up, it's, up it's up 50% this year. So I don't own those anymore because I think that's that, that's played out. But I mean, it's a good niche retailer, but it's very niche in baby products in Australia. Yeah. And there's been a history of sort of muck-ups in that sector, to be honest. It's been yeah. a pretty... So yeah. I, 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 the moment I own no Australian retail stocks, I, my personal view is the three best retailers in the world are Louis Vuitton, Nike and Apple. That's what I own. Mm. They own absolutely everything of their supply chain. So Louis Vuitton, Nike and Apple is the way I play retail in the world. And they're actually obviously got exposure to Australia. Yeah, that's a real working class play, isn't it? So. Well, you know, <laughs> you can buy a pair of Nike sneakers for 150 yeah, bucks. Yeah. They're not that, you know, as Donald Trump was at a Texas LVMH facility on the weekend with Bernard Arnault. Crazy, crazy things going on. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of local stocks, Peter. I mean, I like JB Hi-Fi, but it's a bit expensive. So if you if you if you're long JB Hi-Fi, hang on. But I think you're going to some stage the shorts will get back in that big time, and you'll see a bit of pressure. I like Babcorp, but that's got pretty expensive as well. It's it's more than a retail. It's actually its biggest business is in actually in second hand the trade to the second hand vehicle market. It got rather beaten up because people were very worried about electric vehicles. Now electric vehicles yep. are coming, mm-hmm. but the you know they have a huge impact on that market. They're a decade away at yeah. least, right? There's still other moving parts. There are still other moving parts. Well, there are less moving parts, but uh, the just the wheels. For, for the <laughs> Australian fleet to change over, the numbers were just. You know, it's one of those things where people just latch onto with something yeah. and don't realise that these things take a long time to have an impact. But look, they're in the seven dollars mark. They're better in the sixes. So there's a couple. But I'm just not in a in a mood to go and buy them. I think Woolworths is super expensive, but that hasn't stopped the stock going up. Yeah. I think Coles is very expensive. Yeah, I mean, West Farm. So and then West Farm is the same category. So I'm probably, if anything, I've been lightning off retail. Okay. Sorry, but you do uh, like A2 milk. Can we well, I like some. Retail? I like it sells. Well, it's, it's different. I like some of the consumer goods. It's um, consumer brand. And it's a consumer brand. It is largely a marketing brand. It's one of the China stocks. China stocks have gone through a mixed uh, fashion of lately. We've seen how easy regulation or the Chinese authorities doing something can actually make it really tough for some of the Australian companies that are selling goods into China. A2 milk got to about $17.30 in the middle of July. It's currently just over $12. So it's come back about 40%. Out of favour with a few people, the technicals don't look so good, but I actually think it's it's a pretty good growth story, Peter. Good CEO leading the business. Uh, I think they've got a really good strategy up in China. They want to get to the US. They've actually shown a bit of discipline. They had an operation in the UK. They've cut their UK business to focus on those two markets. I think they're a good brand, but 
it doesn't mean it may not go a little bit lower, but on my on my watch list to buy, Peter, if not to buy. One last one. This is related to retail. Companies like Afterpay and Zipco and all of them, they're in the retail space. Now, they're, they're getting market share. Charlie, what's your view on a company I maintain like caution on those stocks. As I warned in the Switzer Super Report two weeks ago about the wax stocks, that the market, there were global things happening where a lot of these stocks with very low profitability and very high market caps were starting to fall and that bit to do the WeWork IPO being cancelled. And that has come to Australia. You can see that Zip Money is down 20%, Afterpay is down 20%, WiseTech is down 20%, which is part of this. And you're starting to see the market think about being a weighing machine, not a voting, uh, voting machine. Yeah. I would be very, I retain very cautious stance on the buy now, pay now, buy I now pay later sector. I think regulation is coming. I think these valuations will continue to deflate a bit and you will get a chance to buy the afterpays and zips at much more attractive valuations would be my view. Paul? Look, I'm probably in that school. I mean, the market has been desperate for growth and paying crazy multiples for anything that can show growth. I think when growth is built on, on, on acquisition, as, as in the company like WiseTech, you've just got to be a little bit cautious. We've seen most companies are doing an acquisition after acquisition after acquisition. Eventually, mm. <laughs> something goes wrong at some stage and the market reassesses. So look, I, I, I looked at Afterpay at $7. I was saying to Charlie off air, I, I liked the look of it, but I thought it was overvalued then. It got up to $35, so I've been wrong for the last mm. 400%. These so I think at the right price, yes, but. I'm not in the market. You know, these stocks can fall 50% and still be expensive. So yeah. look, don't just let it be. There's no great rush. If you haven't owned Afterpay or Zip or WiseTech, don't, you don't have to do it today. Mm. The money may have been made. The, the sentiment is changing. There's regulatory change. There's shorters. I just think it's time to be on the sideline. And there is a global event going on where there is some deflating of very highly priced profitless companies. And that has come to Australia in the same stocks that benefited from that. So... I just think it's time to maintain caution there, and we'll just see if we can. And, and what we do know, Peter, is is that and tell, t- t- markets teach us this time and time again is when sentiment changes, we get really wild swings. We get a huge movement up, mm-hmm. and we can get way over too far movements down on the on the other way. Well, so if, way. Like if, you if you're worried about sentiment swifting, just got to be. It's time to be patient. But for whatever reason, WiseTech has fallen, whether it's a short note or anything, its PE has gone from 192 to 160. <laughs> So yep. there's no valuation support. So that's why these things can gap quite a lot lower, right? I'm mm. not short them or anything like that, but you just need to be aware they can go, they can overshoot on the downside just like they overshot on the upside. So I think I think a bit of caution is still warranted there. Charlie Aiken, Paul Ricard, thanks for joining us. Thanks. I'm talking to the Managing Director of Officeworks, Sarah Hunter, and I want to know how the business is going. I also want to get a handle on what's going on in retail. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Peter. So why don't you tell us um, the very lucky journey that you've been on to end up in a great position running an organisation like Officeworks? Yeah, well, you use the term lucky, and I do feel very privileged to be part of the Officeworks family. I joined the family in January this year, so um, oh. nearly uh, nearly 10 months ago, or just over 10 months ago. And uh, before joining Officeworks, I was part of the West Farmers Group more broadly mm. as part of Coles. So okay. I was part of the leadership team of Coles for over eight years and uh, part of the turnaround of that business. Mm. And then uh, 
led the successful demerger of Coles out of West Farmers and demerged myself to Officeworks. <laughs> but uh, prior to that, I spent some time in the UK um, in a variety of different industries and businesses mm. and uh, have a strong finance background, but also done operational roles and uh, commercial roles. Did you find it um, a very different skill set going from, say, finance to retail? Yeah, uh, yes and no. Um, I think I've always been someone who's hugely passionate about the team and about people mm. and customers. Mm. And at the end of the day, debits are debits and credits are credits. Mm. You know, but what brings them to life and really makes a difference from a commercial finance perspective and influences the performance of the business is a really good understanding of your customers yeah. and a really good understanding of your team. Mm. You know, yes, you get other skills you've got to learn along the way. But really, I think I've always been really passionate about customers and team, and that set me in good stead. Yeah. Certainly in retail, I think just about every business, the people thing is just everything, isn't it? Well, we're a people business. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, you know, for us, we've got over 8,000 team members um, mm. in our family. And, you know, that doesn't even include all of our suppliers and all of the other people we do business and do business with. Uh, mm. And um, on top of that, you know, we have so many different customers with different reasons to come and come into our business yeah. um, every day and it's about being alert to what's going to help them make bigger things happen in their in their lives mm. whether that be wedding photos um, whether that be the first trip to school and trying to do that book list or they want to start a business and they don't know where to go mm. for that help and that support so mm. being Listening to your team and listening to your customers is, is really, really important. And what percentage of Officeworks customers are small business and, and then others? Yeah, we, we actually don't look at it that way. Mm. And I'll tell you why we don't. Because um, certainly from my personal experience when we're listening to our customers, often when you come into one of our stores or you're shopping online, you've actually got multiple reasons for doing it. Mm. So when I go and shop, I'm shopping for my children mm or I'm shopping because I need something for my office at work or for my home office. Yeah. And, and whether you're a small business customer or a kind of more traditional retail consumer, actually often you're cross shopping. Mm. So the risk is if you classify people mm. in a certain bucket, you actually miss giving them the experience that they need. Mm. It's funny because I'm, I'm thinking that sometimes I'm in exactly the same situation mm. and I'm shopping for my business but there's also something else I might buy exactly. for personal. Exactly. Of course, you've always got that tax, deductibil tax deductibility question. You have to Absolutely. Say, that percentage was for the business, that percentage was for my enjoyment, yeah. in case the ATO is watching this yeah, interview. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes you find mm. that if you've got one of your grandchildren with you, you might have to buy something for them as well. Yeah, good point, good point. What is like, obviously, I've noticed that the office works results have got better and better for West Farmers. Yeah. Right. But what's the vision for the company? Where do you want to take it? Yeah, look, look I think we've got a strong, um, over the last decade, we've had really, really strong performance. And um, we need to harness what's made us really successful in the past, but yeah. also acknowledge that our customers are changing. Mm. So we've found, particularly uh, with customer behaviour, and that's not just um, people, how they shop, but also what they expect in terms of value uh, in the market. You know, that we're conscious of the economy and how people are thinking about purchasing at the moment. It does mean that we have to really be mindful of meeting their expectations into the future. Mm. You know, think back 10 years ago, 
I wasn't thinking about Apple launching a new iPhone. And, you know, that just wasn't part of our business DNA. It mm. is now. Mm. So for us in the future, what it's really about is better understanding our customers, making sure that we can stay relevant to them, whether that's in-store or online or however they choose to shop with us. Yeah. Whether That might be by voice. That might be, you know, Google, please, you know, order me some paper from Officeworks. Mm. And then it arrives at your door. So really staying on top of customer trend and making sure that our every channel strategy uh, regardless of how you want to shop with us, yeah. is relevant and you can get what you want when you want. Mm. Uh, I've never ever thought of this before, except when I was listening to you then, but um, I will always figure that a very important part of your customer base was the person who started his or her business from home. Mm. Uh, and, and the 1990 recession, ironically, was when a lot of people in executive positions lost their jobs yes. and they then re reinvented themselves when a wonderful technology called the internet yes. came along and laptop computers and all that sort of stuff. So in a sense, the growth of Officeworks would have paralleled that kind of home-based business, the start-up business mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Is that a fair call? Yeah, look, look what I'd say, I even take a step further back from the 1990s and say Australia is an economy that has grown strongly on the back of developing and growing small business yeah, yeah. Um, for many, many decades, mm. not just in the last couple of decades. And, and so I really think that, um, you know, it's something we're very proud of mm. is actually our focus on small and micro businesses and, you know, the start, run and grow your business yeah. all the way through. Uh, and I do think that's a really important part of our economy and, and we, we do see growth on the back of that, that part of the economy doing well. Mm. Um, you pointed out you came from the big end of town in many ways. Yeah. How have you learnt to you know, walk a mile in the shoes of your key customers, small businesses? Oh, look, um, I'll be honest, most of my friends mm. um, don't work at the big end of town. No. They run small businesses. Mm. You know, my, one of my really, my best friend from school, you know, she's a photographer. She runs her business out of her house. Yeah. Um, one of my other really good friends, you know, runs his own engineering business. He set it up mm. out of his house and, mm. you know, now he's got 25 people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's in my DNA and yeah. my mum um, ran her own business. So yeah. it was part of... So you're from a small business family? Well, she, she was, yeah. So mm. she, she ran her own business and mm. she did that in the, in the days when she did it because that gave her flexibility to spend time with us as well. Mm. So I really understand the you know, the need for and the, the complexity that comes with actually trying to do that. Mm. I've also worked in small business. Mm. So I've done big and small. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I understand how hard it is when mm. you're worrying week to week or month to month if you mm. can pay a couple of people you've got working for you. You don't have that regularity of income and how stressful it is. You know, yeah. my brother ran a cafe, um, you know, and I helped him with that journey. It's, mm. it's, um, it's kind of part of being yeah. part of the business community of Australia, I would say. Yeah. It's more small businesses than there are big ones. Now, one thing I've noticed is that um, Officeworks over the last year or so um, has really pumped up their interest in connecting to small business, yeah. like through the radio show, um, and uh, that's called uh, Let's Talk Business. Yes. <laughs> I should know. I'm, I'm actually on it. Uh, <laughs> you should know, Peter. <laughs> and, but the WorkWise segment in particular is something yeah. you guys sponsor. Yeah. Um, what, what was the thinking behind that? Um, well, we went through, when I joined the business, we went through a strategy refresh. Mm. And um, what we decided was 
we saw a huge number of opportunities for growth for the business. Mm. Um, but we recognised that we had to be focused on the things, not just that have made us successful in the past, but where we saw future growth. And we categorised it into three key areas. One for us is education. Yeah. Um, school and literacy, numeracy of, of, of children is absolutely critical for the future of our economy, our society. Mm but it is a big part of our business. Mm. Um, so back to school is our busiest trading time. Mm. Um, and we think there's a lot more we can do in the education space to help businesses, whether they be early learning small businesses, early learning centres or um, schools mm. and parents uh, to really knowledgeably teach and educate their children. Mm. So education. Uh, the second one was a connected customer. So you would have seen we acquired Geeks to You um, mm. earlier this year, and that was a big part of helping um, small business and um, families and you know people at home, you know, uh, who are struggling with the connected world. How do they navigate all the changes that are happening in technology? And the fact that home and work have blended and are blending more and more together. Mm. Uh, I mean, and. It's not as simple as you go to your office. Your office might be in the front room of your house or your garage. Yeah. Um, so being able to have a service like Geeks that can help people set up and blend that and make the connected world work for them was mm. really important. And then the third area was small business. Yeah. So um, we really believe passionately that, uh, that, that the growth and the health of small business in Australia is is the future mm. um, and we want to be part of supporting that mm. and you would have seen through some of the relationships that we've developed and initiatives for example um, we are the exclusive provider of this new square terminal that's mm. just launched in Australia yeah. um, you know being able for small businesses to come into our store and not have to go to a bank but to actually start their business and take payment and get mm. cash mm. is really really important yeah and it's really taking off, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. So our investment in growing business is a, is a deliberate strategy, mm. you know, our relationship with small business. Mm. And we see a lot more opportunities to make it easier for people to start, run and grow their business. Okay. Uh, obviously, despite the, the, uh, the wonderful um, attempt by a big organisation like yours to understand small business, and I, mm -hmm. think, I think you guys are doing it really well, both on your website Thank and you. also on radio. Thank you. Um, but at the end of the day, you're tested by the big end of the town, you know, your we bosses, are. by productivity, your, your profits, mm -hmm. your results and mm -hmm. stuff like that. How is it translating? Are, are you seeing the connection with small business actually helping the bottom line of office works as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, look, I think over the last couple of years, and we continue to see that happen, happen now, um, and we've talked about it at our results presentations and mm. our investor strategy, strategy day. Uh, we talked to the role that small business is playing in our sales growth. Yeah. Um, and look, we're not complacent by any mm. stretch. We recognise that there's more we need to do uh, to, to be relevant and continue to be relevant to a, support those businesses with mm. the problems they've got today. Because yeah. yeah. problems today were not necessarily problems yesterday and won't necessarily be problems tomorrow. So yeah. we really want to continue to to be relevant mm. and to genuinely support growth. And if we do that, we'll continue to see a, a positive impact to our results. Okay. Well, another aspect I want to talk to you about is you know, your significant role in retail. Mm. Right? You're, talk, mm -hmm. you're saying that uh, back to school is really important to, is. to your bottom line. How is retail going now? Well, look, we're 
relative to the whole of retail in Australia, we are still a small spot, mm. small part of mm. it. But but look, I would say, you know, from our perspective, you know, there's been no change from when we uh, talked about it at our results. You know, we are seeing it continue to be a competitive landscape. Mm. Um, we continue to see customers look for value. You know, people are conscious of how much money they take home each week at the mm. moment and very, very conscious of what's happening to their, their costs at home and yeah. that's impacting business as well. Yeah. Electricity prices, gas prices, you, you know, it's tough out there, I think, for, for small businesses and um, for consumers. Yeah. Um, but if we continue to be focused on giving a great customer experience and we continue to be focused on managing and controlling our costs, and investing in the right things, I feel very confident about the long-term growth for the business. Mm. Have you seen any tax cut effect yet? Not a material one. No. Yeah, and that mm. hasn't changed in the you know mm. since we uh, we last updated the market. Yeah. Do you suspect that um, some people will keep their, their tax cut? Until Christmas? Oh, who knows? <laughs> if I knew that, I probably wouldn't I be running a, office works. <laughs> yeah, look, look um, what I know is that, you know, I'm fortunate enough that to be part of a leadership team in West Farmers mm. um, that, that has a very strong focus on long-term returns for shareholders. Yeah. And, you know, tax cuts may come and go, but if we stick to being relevant to our customers, investing in the right things... Yeah and growing our business in the right way for the long term, mm. that'll generate a great return for shareholders. Here's a question that just came into my head while I was listening to Good. you. Yeah, ultimately, you have to do forecasts. Yes. So, so what forecasts are you using for the Australian economy going mm. forward? <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, if I, if, I, if I knew, if I was A, we yeah. wouldn't share that, and B, if I had the answer to that, yeah. um, then, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing this job. I'd be, uh, be uh, well-paid or so, lying on a beach somewhere, but um, well-paid doing something else. Yeah. But, but what I do know, I guess my finance background would tell me the mm. one challenge with forecasts, it's a bit like budgets. Mm. As soon as you write it down, it's wrong. <laughs> so, yes. you know, I'm not sure I would add a lot of value to that conversation. Okay. One last question, Sarah. Uh, given the position you, you're in, mm. uh, we always learn at the coal phase. Mm. What do you think have been the big lessons that you've learned since you've been in this position? Um, it's a great question. I think uh, when I joined the business, I knew that there was a huge passion, um, a huge passion in stores. Mm. It, it doesn't take a lot, you know, as you say, you learn at the coalface, you learn walking around, talking mm. to the team, mm. you understand that they're so passionate about this business. Um, we have a huge number of team members who've been with us since we started 25 years ago. We just celebrated our 25th birthday. Mm. Um, and they're hugely passionate about seeing the business grow and what it could be in the future. Yep. Uh, I think that's pretty unusual. I, I haven't been in a business that's had that level of passion and excitement for the future mm. uh, before. So for me, that's something that I've really learned and I think it's um, part of our competitive advantage and I think it's a really big opportunity for us. You know, when you've got 8,000 team members who wanna make bigger things happen for your mm. customers and genuinely care about the business and the brand and are excited about the future, that gives me a pretty, and my leadership team, a pretty massive opportunity. Okay. And one thing I'm famous for is asking another last question. Go. Fire. <laughs> and as a consequence of listening to you, uh, and I know people often ask me this question, um, is there a book or a leader or someone 
who you think had a really big impact on you yeah. in, in your, your road to success. And what was that impact? Yeah. I, I wouldn't name names, but there are a few that have given, had a really big impact for me on what not to do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but probably the, the two who've had the biggest impact for me on what I do and who I am are my parents, my mum and my dad. Mm. Um, you know, they've, they brought me up with certain values and, um, and a sense of ambition that whether you're, you know, whatever your background, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your gender, mm. um, it was up to you and to be ambitious and to do the right thing and, um, and to have fun doing it. Mm. Uh, you know, I love what I do. I'm really fortunate. I genuinely feel fortunate mm. uh, and grateful to have the opportunity to, mm. you know, be part of this business. And um, and that that absolutely comes from my parents. Yeah, it's interesting. Both Mark Burris and John Simon gave exactly the same answer. Did they? they did. Oh, I yeah. feel in good company then. <laughs> Sarah Hunter, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Basically the economic analysis is very interesting, macroeconomic analysis, and of course Peter's very entertaining. Uh, well I come every year or every twice a year and I love it because I get so much information and I run my own super fund so for me it's really, really good. It's been very, very informative and uh, I must admit, some of these share fund managers, they're, they're quite funny and uh, I think they've made it uh, such a pleasure to be here. So I've loved it, uh, looking forward to doing something with my money and becoming rich. <laughs> Got a lot of people like who are very talented people in the industry. We are getting expert at one place, so that's one of the best things I've found here. And uh, I would like to thank Peter Sudja for organizing this for us. Just having the exposure into the market and looking at um, constructing a portfolio, so I think it'll be just a great experience, just you know, meeting a lot of people as well. Oh, I really enjoyed it because I came really make, uh, looking for you know some income stream um, because it's just not worthwhile for me to keep my money in the bank anymore and it's given me some really good ideas, you know, the options that are available there. So yeah, it's been really positive. really interesting about like yeah going into investing and more like building your wealth for the future and not just relying on say like an income and you know, something like that. I've always believed in a, a great line <clears throat> that my wife taught me Maureen uh, but she quoted William Blake once and she said she said uh, Blake once said without controversy there's no progress and that's in many ways the relationship I've got with Paul, the relationship I've got with Moran as well. Um, in relation to Moran, I always say, you know, um, um, I, she actually decided to become my life coach, even though I didn't even know I needed one. Um, and, uh, but without her looking at me the way a, a Labrador watches a sausage at a barbecue, finding out what I'm doing wrong and actually telling me how I can fix myself up, um, I wouldn't be here today. So that's why I always say behind every successful man's a very surprised woman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>